Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, we encourage you to check out our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org. You can also subscribe on iTunes or wherever you like to get podcasts. And now, here's this week's message brought to you by Senior Pastor Adam Russell. Hey, good morning, everybody. You guys seem happy today. You can tell people we're happy today. Hey, if you want to, open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4. I want to talk to you just for a few moments out of the Gospels. And this is a moment where Jesus is calling his first disciples. And the title of today's message is Learning Something New. So Seth, if you can help me put that scripture up because... Great. My goodness. Okay, so here's what it is. It's, it's Matthew chapter 4. You got, we're just going to do something very old school right now. You're going to listen, okay? And I'm going to do my best to read. And Heather took my glasses. Oh, my gosh. This is a, literally a disaster. Starting off the first of the year with a disaster. Okay. Happy New Year, Sam. New Year, new me. Actually, same old me, getting, getting worse by the minute. All right. No, I'm good. I, I got these. I got this hand. I'm feeling it. Thank you, though. I'm glad people care. Andrew, always helping. Okay, so Matthew chapter 4, 18 to 22. Just a few verses. This is what it says. It says, In Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea because they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And they immediately left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called to them. And immediately they left the boat with their father and they followed him. Thank you. That's the tech. Oh my gosh, Seth. Was that you? Bobby, high five. Man, tech genius. Well, here's what I want to talk to you about this morning. I want to talk to you about learning something new. Uh, how long has it been since you've learned something new? I mean, like something really new. Do you remember being in school and like, you were in fourth or fifth grade and you knew all the things that you were supposed to know in fourth or fifth grade. And then you go into a classroom and maybe they, they teach you a concept that was not even hinted at in the first four or five years. And you're like, this is just a brand new concept. And your brain is like, I don't even know what this means. Anybody remember that experience? Or, or maybe, maybe you're an athlete. Maybe you're an athlete and maybe, maybe you just, you played basketball your whole life and you were really good at basketball and you could pass and you could catch, and you could shoot, and you knew which foot to jump off of when you were shooting your layups, and you got all the core concepts down, and then, then you had a friend who came to you and said, here's what I would love to do this weekend with you. I would love for you to come with me over to Miller Park and play tennis. How many, how many of you remember the moment that you were maybe a basketball player, and then you pick up a tennis racket? How, how well did it go? It didn't, did it? 
I, one of my favorite things is to see athletes who are really proficient in one sport pick up a tennis racket. They just look like idiots, right? Why? Because there's something about that kind of muscle memory. We just don't have it. We just don't have it. And this happens in all kinds of areas. Maybe, maybe you got a job. Maybe you got a job and you worked at that job and maybe, maybe that job was mostly like production oriented. Maybe you took boxes from here and you moved them over to here and, and you got really good at just taking the boxes from here over to here or, or maybe you just showed up to work and, and basically what you had to do was just do what your boss said and, and you did really well at it and maybe you even came in five minutes early and you left 10 minutes late and you kept your station clean and then eventually your boss said to you, you know, you are a good worker, I would like to make you a manager. How many of you have ever gone from the person who lifted boxes from one place to the other and then you became the manager and you realized, I need a whole new set of skills. Like, I need to know how to administrate and be organized. And mostly what I need are like the soft skills of people development, right? Like, like all of my box moving, that was great, but now I need something completely, completely new. Well, the reason I'm starting there this morning is because I've been thinking about this this week. What if Jesus was asking us, and by us, I mean the vineyard in Campbellsville, what if he was asking this group of people in the room this morning, what if he was asking us to learn something new? Uh, I want to remind you of what I read to you so inarticulately a moment ago. Uh, from the text, uh, there are these sets of brothers, and the story is actually pretty wild. If you read it and sit with it a moment, it's a completely insane story. Because here's what you got. You got these brothers, they're fishing out on the Sea of Galilee. And by the way, this is what they did every day. Uh, and the reason they did this every day is because they're subsistence fishermen. And here's what that means. If you don't catch anything, you don't eat anything. That's the way it worked. There was no Kroger. And so in order to live, you went out and you fished. And they're out there fishing. And imagine this guy named Jesus. Maybe they had heard of Jesus, but honestly, from the Gospels, we get, we get no hint that they had any idea who Jesus was. Uh, Jesus shows up, and he calls to them, and he says, I would love for you, Peter and Andrew, to leave what you're doing right now, to leave the nets that you're throwing, and just come and follow me. And the Bible says that they just dropped their nets, and they followed Jesus. And Jesus says this really interesting thing to them. He says, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. And then they go down the coast, maybe a little bit longer, and they run into some other brothers who are mending their nets with their father, right? And Jesus says to them, I would love for you to follow me. And by implication, he wants to do what? Teach them the same thing, right? And it says that they left their nets. And look here in verse 22, they left the boat and their father behind. And they just followed Jesus. Uh, a, a few things. Uh, number one, how many of you understand that when these brothers left their boats, their nets, and their family to follow Jesus, how many of you understand they had no idea what Jesus was talking about? They had no... Like when Jesus says, when Jesus says to them, I'm going to make you a fisher of men, how many of you know that he wasn't talking about taking your nets, going into town, and throwing it on people? Right? So... If that's not what he's wanting us to do, how many of you understand that Jesus is actually inviting them into something brand new? He's actually inviting them to learn something new. And the new thing here is actually discipleship. But I've just been wondering maybe this week, 
I've been wondering if Jesus isn't inviting us to learn something new from him. Now, here's the thing about learning something new. There's a process to learning something new. Uh, The first step in learning something new, uh, number one, is misunderstanding and excitement. How many of you have ever, like, began an endeavor, and it's also, how many of you have noticed that when you begin an endeavor, it's this weird combination of oftentimes excitement, like, yay, something new, I'm no longer bored, but also when you get into it, you realize, I don't know what I'm doing. So oftentimes when you're learning something new, number one, it's misunderstanding and it's excitement. Then number two, awkward, awkwardness. It's just, it's just awkward. Anytime you begin to do something new, if you, compel, if you compare yourself to someone who's proficient at it, what you'll realize is, I'm really awkward. So number one is like excitement. This is really fun, but there's something about it I don't understand. Then number two, you go into this phase of awkwardness. And then number three, uh, just, it's just practice. And if you will hang with the practice, you'll eventually get to step four, which is proficiency. I want to unpack this maybe just for a moment. Misunderstanding and excitement. Uh, the beginning of any new thing, especially any new learning endeavor, is misunderstanding and excitement. Uh, at the beginning, we just we don't know the concepts. I, I was thinking this week about when I was in elementary school and I went to a math class. I remember the day our teacher put negative numbers on the board. Do you guys remember how your brain melted when you realized numbers could be negative? And then she's asking you to add negative numbers. And how many of you know you got that? How many of you got the answer wrong for like a week? And then she would be like, no. And you'd be like, and then you would take, I, I specifically remember we took this negative number test and she did it and she did it in multiple choice, A, B, and C, and D, and every single one of them looked right. Like I could, I could figure a way to make every one of them right. Right? The beginning of any new learning, the beginning of any new learning is oftentimes misunderstanding Sometimes we don't even know the right questions to ask. Then number two, uh, there's just, the next stage is just awkwardness. You know, back to, back to tennis. You know, maybe, maybe your tennis swing is happening, but it's just awkward. Or, or maybe to speak to the musicians in the room, uh, how many of you have ever picked up a guitar and began to play it? Like, do you remember how, how when you wanted to play guitar, uh, playing air guitar felt so right? <laughs> Playing air guitar felt so right, and then you actually picked up a wooden guitar, and it felt so weird. It, I, I remember the first time I picked up a guitar, I, I, I was afraid I was going to break it or something. And then finally, I learned how to play a G, and I got my G down, and then I learned how to play a cheater C, and I got my cheater C down, and then I, got my, then I started playing a D, and my D sucked, man. It's like every time I played D, I was playing over E and over A, just those horrible just, it was awkward as can be, man. Every single note was ringing on that guitar. It just sounded like a trash boat. <laughs> but then you practice, step three. Um, then there's enough growth that practice becomes normal. Uh, and during practice, the hope is that you don't feel condemned by your failures. That's the, that's the hope of practice. Uh, you're seeing change, uh, however slow, like, like if you, if you have the personality type that can endure practice, then you have the personality type that can actually achieve greatness. 
Like, there's something about practice. If we can become the kinds of people who don't mind that kind of repetition, you, you just see unbelievable growth. Uh, all of my kids, all of my kids love soccer, and they're all really good soccer players. Uh, but my little one, Rowan, Rowan has an unbelievable knack to endure practice. Like, he loves, loves, loves to work on skills. He'll just go out in the backyard and play by himself. No one tells him, hey, you should go work on your soccer. No one tells him you should get your ball and work on your touch. He'll just be back in the backyard over and over and over and over. And that's what it takes. It takes practice. You'll see some growth. And then finally, finally you become proficient. If you don't give up, you become proficient. You find your flow. But, but where most people give up is in the early stages. Uh, everybody hates the feeling of being lost. Everybody hates the feeling of misunderstanding or, or, or maybe just like that feeling of, like, I don't even know the right questions to ask, you know? That feeling is so discouraging or, or the awkward stage. That's a real drag because at that point, you know enough to, to be able to see what it's supposed to be like and you can compare yourself to the ideal and it just feels terrible. In fact, that's where most people, that's where they give up. Uh, this is true in hobbies. It's true in studies, it's true in sports, but it's oftentimes also true in discipleship as well. We just give up too early. We just give up too early. Like, think about some of the things that Jesus says. He says things in the Sermon on the Mount like this. Uh, you should love your enemies, and you should pray for them. And then that sounds great when you're just reading it in your devotional, and then one day you get an enemy, <laughs> and you're like, you're like, I'm going to try that out, you know? And you try it for a day, and it really sucks. It's like, this is doing nothing for me. In fact, this is making me feel worse, you know? Yeah, that's the way it goes. And so, sometimes we end up giving up early because, man, we don't understand it, or it just feels awkward, or we're not, we're not finding the flow. Sometimes we just give up too early. But here's what I would like to say to us this morning. What if Jesus wants us to learn something new what if he wants to teach us something new? Uh, here's what I would like to say. I think this is something that we're going to have to learn, and it's going to be this little process I told you a moment ago. We're going to go through all the stages, all the awkwardness, and if we won't give up early, we'll finally land in that, that space of flow and proficiency. Now, here's the other thing I want to say about this passage, especially for us, and maybe specifically about what Jesus wants us to learn. Uh, the first thing I want you to notice about this passage is it's just in line with Jesus' whole life. I want you to notice how outward it is, right? So here's Jesus. He comes to these brothers, and he says, I want you to follow me so that you can be fishers of men. It's this outward invitation. He's, he's inviting Peter and Andrew, and he's inviting James and John, not just to follow him around and not just to do the things he's doing, but actually to go where he's going, which is in all the towns and in all the villages. Everything that Jesus does all the time is looking outward. Like what would Jesus maybe want to say to the vineyard this year? Here's one of the things I think he would want to say to us. Time to look outward. Like Jesus is inviting us to look outward. The whole ministry of Jesus is going out into the, out into the world. And he wants to go out into the world for the sake of the world. I mean, this is the trajectory of Jesus. Jesus comes to the world, and his whole ministry is for the sake of the world. He's always looking outward. Jesus traveled from town to town. There's this moment in the Gospels where some of the disciples are like, hey, the ministry here is so good, we should stay a little while longer. And Jesus is like, no, 
I've come to go preach in all the towns. Why? Because Jesus is looking outward. He is looking outward. He's always looking for what the Father might be doing a little bit further down the road. And I can't help but wonder if that's not something he wants to teach and train us as well. Here's one of the things I've noticed in my life. It's easy to get settled in my little world. I think this is a tendency for most people. It's really easy for me to get settled in my little world. Uh, we find a life or, or, or I find a, a circle. We get, we get some friends. Uh, we find our zone. And let me just say, when you find your world and you get some friends and you find your zone, that's a good thing. Like that's one of God's gifts to you. Like if you're here this morning and you don't have friends, that's a problem. That's a real problem. But once you find friends and once you find your circle and once you find your zone, the tendency is sometimes we kind of get stuck. Uh, the challenge is over time we become insular and we lose touch with the outward leaning ways of Jesus. Uh, this happens also in church all the time. You know, we've got, a, we've got a, a real community here at the Vineyard. Like, this room of people is thick as thieves. That's what I know about y'all. Uh, this room of people lives life together. This room of people uh, loves each other. And this room of people shares life with each other, not just on Sunday morning, but like on Monday and Thursday and Friday as well. And that's really good. But I wonder, I wonder if it's not time for us to learn something new. Uh, you know, we've become a community here at the Vineyard. Uh, we, we have a liturgy. We have our ways. We have our people. We have our friends. And we get in the groove of worship and friendship and seasons in life. And, and it's possible that you can lose grip with the ways that Jesus wants to lead us further out into our community. I think this is one of the things that Jesus would like to teach us this year, is to lean outward, actually to look a little further out literally, to the people all around us. Second thing I want you to notice uh, about this passage is not only is Jesus leaning outward, uh, but the way that he's leaning outward is by invitation. So how many of you notice that in this passage, Jesus doesn't make Peter and Andrew or James and John do anything? In fact, you can read the Gospels uh, for the rest of your life, and one of the things you'll notice is that Jesus never makes anyone do anything. Jesus is not a manipulator, uh, but Jesus is an inviter. And so I wonder if one of the things that Jesus wouldn't want to teach us this year is how to lean outward, and the way he does it would be the way that we would do it, which is by invitation. Jesus says to the fishermen, why don't you follow me so I can teach you to be fisher, fishers of men? Um, sometimes, we miss the basic things that Jesus is saying because it's clouded with what we think he's saying. Sometimes we assume, sometimes we assume that the invitation to be fishers of men means something like, I want you to go save the world. You know? Uh, I want you to go save the world. Or if you can't save the world, well, then at least save Kentucky. You know? And here's what I would like you to notice about this passage. Uh, Jesus is not inviting Peter and Andrew or James and John to do any of the saving. He's actually just inviting them to be fishers of men. Uh, sometimes we read that passage and we think, well, uh, maybe, maybe the call is we have to go get it all done. And I would like to point out to you that we don't have to get it all done. Uh, Jesus is actually saying 
something much more basic. He's saying, why don't you become an inviter? I, I think maybe part of the lesson for us this morning, and maybe some of what Jesus is wanting to teach us, has to do with leaning outward and extending invitations. And I want to say a couple of things about invitation here for a moment. Uh, the first thing I want to say is that there's all kinds of invitations. And I want to talk real practically and real low to the ground for a moment. So if Jesus were inviting us to lean outward this year, and if he were inviting us to lean outward by invitation, uh, I, I want to just highlight, all kind, number one, there's all kinds of invitations. The invitation that Jesus is extending to us, to our community, is not go save the world. I, that's, that's the work that only he can do. But there are all kinds of invitations that we can do. Number one, uh, we, can, we can begin to invite people to church. Like, that's something we can do. Can I tell you something? Uh, everybody in here is surrounded by people who don't have a life with God and they don't have a faith community. And I just want to say something. You cannot have a life with God without a faith community. It can't be done. You need a community to localize and to give some gravitational weight to your faith. There is no such thing. And so there are people in our lives right now, they don't have a life with God. Uh, they don't have a faith community. Uh, maybe they've been hurt uh, by the church. Maybe they've, been, maybe they've been beat up. And I just want to tell you, all around you right now are people that, that you and I could invite and just say, well, why don't you come with me? Why don't you come with me? And here's one other thing I want to tell you about inviting people to church. Uh, I, I want you to know, and probably you've noticed this, but you'll, you'll begin to see this more and more. Uh, about once a month, probably once a month or once every five or, or, or six weeks, uh, if you're inviting people to church, I just want you to know, uh, I'm going to stand up here at the end of service, and I'm going to invite people to follow Jesus. You know, one of the ways that people can come to follow Jesus is by just showing up here, because when the Spirit of God is in the room with the people of God, and when some pastor like me or Emily or anybody else gets up and says, who wants to follow Jesus? People do, and people will, and we always baptize them. That's what we do. So what are some of the invitations that we could begin to lean into outward this year? Number one, just inviting people to church. Number two, asking to pray for people. Uh, I, I want to tell you something about asking to pray for people. Uh, I am 44 years old. I've been a Jesus person basically my whole life raised in a Christian home. And I've been a vineyard person for more than two decades, almost three decades. And in the vineyard, we just pray for people. So like at the end of worship, we did that whole prayer thing up here. That's just who we are. If you're new here, and you're coming back, get used to it, because that's what we do. We just, we just pray for people. And, and part of what we've been trained to do in the vineyard is not just do it here at church, but like do it everywhere. Like at Kroger, and at school, and at work. Like when we run into people and things are not well. And how many of you know that you know when things are not well with people? Like how many of you know you can go in the office and within 30 seconds you can take the temperature, the relational temperature in the room? Like, whoo, something is happening in here today. Yeah. Or, or maybe, you, maybe you're just pushing your cart at Kroger and you see someone you haven't seen in five years and you do the thing where you stand by the bananas and you catch up, like, how's your family? How's your family? You're good. And then in that conversation, you find out some, some particular detail of their life. I, I just want to say to us that part of leaning outward and part of the invitational thing that Jesus is showing here, sometimes, some, not always, but sometimes means looking at the person, no matter where you're at, looking at them right in the eye and going, can I pray for you right now? 
Can I tell you something? In, in all of my years, in, in, in sincere moments when there's like relational equity, I have never been told no. Never. And here's what I do. I'll, just, I'll teach you how to do this in public. Uh, when, when I'm doing this in public, like uh, this was like five weeks ago. I, I'm, at, I'm at Kroger and I met someone that I went to high school with. I have not seen this person. I don't think I've seen them since high school. And they shared this thing with me about their life. And, and I just looked at him and I, and, and I just said, hey, can I, pray, can I just pray for you right now? And he looked at me and, and he was like, yeah, I, I'd really appreciate that. I said, well, why don't you do this? Just keep your hands on your cart. I'm going to stay right here beside my cart. I, don't even, don't close your eyes. And, and I'm not going to close my eyes. And we're just, we're going to pray here for a moment. And, and, we, and this is how we pray. <laughs> why, why would I do that? Because the point, of, the point of praying for him is not to shame him in front of everybody or make him feel awkward, right? Like the point of prayer is like to connect with one another and to connect to God. So I just prayed for this guy. I was like, Father, you have allowed us to meet here by the bananas. <laughs> Thank you. And would you... And then I got a text through the Instagram a few days later about how much that meant to that person. So, like, number one, invite people to church. It's one of the ways we lean outward. You know, we're looking. We're looking. Number two, like, when you, when you meet people and things are weird in their life and you're a Jesus person and you know how to pray, like, just look at the person in the eyes and go, can I pray for you right now? Would you let me pray for you right now? Like, 30-second prayer. Can I do a 30-second prayer with you right now? People... People say yes, they just do. Um, number three, this is maybe a little bit, a little bit higher on the scale, but I would, I, would like to, I would like to put it out there to us. Uh, inviting people to follow Jesus. Like, probably we have neighbors right now. Probably you have neighbors and you have friends or you have coworkers and they're just, they don't have a life with God. And, and, and it might be that, that the way that you're leaning outward and maybe that the thing that Jesus wants to teach you this year is how to invite people to follow him, you know? And by the way, usually that takes a lot of relational equity. Like, I actually don't recommend inviting people to follow Jesus like the first day you meet them, you know? I recommend inviting people to follow Jesus after you've gotten to know them for a while. But you know what? When you build relational equity, there is nothing wrong with, in the right moment, looking right at the person and going, hey, I don't know about you, but, but, but I'm just thinking that maybe this might be a moment for you to possibly follow Jesus. Have you ever followed Jesus? Would you like to do that? Like, I could pray with you. Like, can I tell you something? The most fun moments in your whole life will be the moments that you look at people and invite them to follow Jesus. Like, life with God is real. It's real. So inviting people to follow Jesus or inviting people to notice how God might be showing up in their lives. This is maybe like a little lower on the scale again. Some of that relational work. You know, sometimes people actually have the life of God happening in their life and they're just completely blind to it. How many of you have ever had God working in your life and you didn't know it, but when you look back, you were like, oh my gosh, God was there, right? There's that story in the Old Testament about uh, Jacob. He was like running around in the desert and he goes to sleep and he has like this encounter and he, he gets, he names the place Bethel and he, because because he said, he said the next morning, he said, uh, surely God was here and I didn't know it. Uh, by the way, that's an archetypal story for everyone's entire life. Uh, God is with you and you didn't know it. 
So, so one of the things that sometimes happens is, is sometimes I'm able to see the ways in which God is in your life easier than you can see it. And we just need to, to show it. And so sometimes what it means to be a great friend or a great coworker or a great co-student or teammate is in the right moment to invite people to see the ways in which God is actually working in their life. It's outward, but it's invitational. Of course, all of this takes trust. It's why people don't listen to the street preachers that show up every year at CU. You know? Like, ain't nobody got time for that. Like, I don't have time for that. Why? It's like, number one, you're not inviting me. You're just yelling at me. And number two, there's no relational equity. Like, get out of my face, bro. Like, nobody wants that. Uh, They're not inviting. They're telling and they haven't done the relational lifting. But these are things that we can do. We can invite, and we can build some relational equity. Uh, the second thing I would like to say about leaning outward and being invitational is this. Uh, the results are not up to us. Uh, we don't have to make anything happen. Uh, we don't have to twist any arms. We don't have to manipulate. Uh, we don't have to hold people over hell. Like, if you've, if you've ever held someone over hell, just stop doing that, Okay. You can't scare people into love. Like it wasn't, it's just not the way it works. It's literally not the way it works. Uh, we're, we're, not, we're not required to, to come up with the results. Uh, we don't have to gin anything up. We don't have to exaggerate. We don't have to impress. Uh, we just invite in the ways that we've been invited. And, and by the way, uh, when I say we, we invite in the ways that we've been invited, what I, what I would like to say here is, this means getting deeply connected to your own story and your own life with God. Like everybody here has some way in which God has met them. And that might feel really big to you or it might feel really small, but it's actually, it's actually, it's nuclear in terms of its power. Uh, one of the things that we've been doing as a staff at our staff meeting here for the last about eight weeks is we've mostly not been working on church stuff at staff meeting uh, it's been great. Uh, we've, we've taken the last about eight weeks, and we've had every, every staff member share their life story in 20 minutes. And by the way, the compression is, is part of the genius in this. If you, if, you invite, if you invite people to share their life story in 20 minutes, you, you have to, you, the compression forces people to give you the, the distillate, you know? It's like, give me the real stuff. And what's interesting is, is in every single time, even with people that I've known, like I've known Andrew for over 20 years, and Andrew told his story, and within three minutes, I've already learned like three or four things about Andrew. But then in, in, in part of sharing our stories, what we've been asked to do is we've been asked to share the ways in which we came to know God, right? And in every single time, not only did I learn something about the person, but when they began to tell about how they met God or the ways in which God had intersected their life, you can feel the room harmonize. Anybody ever done that before? Have you ever noticed that if you just tell like, hey, here's the things that God has been to me and here's the things that God has done? I just want to tell you, as you begin to lean outward and begin to invite people either into prayer or to church or to know or to follow Jesus, I want to tell you the most powerful thing you have is the Holy Spirit inside of your story. And some of us in the room have stopped telling our story. You should tell your story over and over and over again. It is, it's incredible. It is, it's literally incredible, and it's, it's, 
it's like flies on honey. Like you just can't keep it away because it's the ways in which God is working. We invite in the ways that we've been invited. So share your story. Tell the things that Jesus has done in your life and ask people to reconsider their life. And I just wonder again, if maybe this isn't something that Jesus wants to teach us this year. Leaning outward by invitation here at the Vineyard. Uh, here's the last thing I want to say. Uh, this church is over, is over 25 years old. And uh, here's what I know about churches that are over 25 years old. Uh, there's a danger that we could have calcium deposits build up in our arteries. We're about that old. It's kind of like dog years. <laughs> yeah. Because, because here's the thing. Here at the Vineyard, we're, we're old enough in our churchiness. We're old enough that we've, that we've gotten decent at a few things. And we're old enough that we've gotten relationships and things are settled and, you know, the thing just works. The machine works. And, and here's what I know. I know that the danger for us is that calcium could get in our arteries. And rather than looking outward and doing the things that made us who we are, we'll, we'll just continue to look inward. And, and honestly, we'll, I mean, we're in, we could be in grave danger of like a major cardiac moment and not a good one, right? Why? Because the, the life of the church is always in step with Jesus, and Jesus is someone who is looking outward, and he is connecting with the world, and he's doing it by invitation, like the life of God. So here's what I, I would just wonder. I wonder maybe if Jesus doesn't want to teach all of us something new this year. Mm. Amen? Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Hey, if you're on the worship team, why don't you come on up? And if you're in the room, not on the worship team, why don't you stand up? Thanks again for stopping by the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening at the Vineyard, you can follow us on social media. Until next time.